When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. You're listening to the Monday Metrospective with Jason Bonington on SEN Track. It is retrospective, and it's not just Jason Bonington. Willem's here with us, and so too is Steve Cleaver's years every Monday now, and uh, we're going to go through. This is a more important on. Now, every retrospective is important. Don't get me wrong. Every man is created equal. What a load of crap that is. Every man is not created equal, let me tell you right now. I've met a few of them. There's a few that are better than the others, let me tell you. And there's a few retrospectives that are better than the rest as well. This is one of them because it's night one. We're going to look back at night one of the Victoria Cup Carnival. Heats the Derby, heats the Oaks, smoking up sprint. And this is going to be the platform. What you hear today, along with tonight with the uh, the barrier draws, I'll be involved with Ryan Phelan and Adam Hamilton on racing.com from 7 till 8 p.m. Uh, but this will be the platform for how we're going to make a profit on Saturday night in this amazing Victoria Cup meeting. Clevy, this is um, this is a very exciting time of year. It sure is, Bon. How are you going, mate? And get out, Willem. He's uh, he's a happy man. He's he's very very excited to be here. Don't worry about that. He's looking for winners on Saturday as well. After uh, after visiting Caulfield and got a few tips and got a win. Who knows? We might hook a punter in. Um, so we'll see if we can find him the Victoria Cup winner. But I think we'll definitely be able to find him. Hopefully, at least the Derby winner and maybe the Oaks. But um, right across the card, it was amazing racing. It has to be said. And I was a little bit concerned early doors with a couple of those Oaks heat, heats. I thought, oh no, we're going to get some pretty maudlin qualification races here or preliminaries for the races next week. And we're not going to learn a hell of a lot. But as the night went on, um, it got better and better, I reckon. And the platform should have been set by the first race in the car, which we'll get to pretty soon because that was a belter. Yeah, no, it certainly was. It was a terrific night's racing. But as you said, the and I suppose it happens a lot with the heat going into finals is people are more probably worried about qualifying before winning. Um, I know, you know, there's no way Relentless Me would have got away with what she did out in front had it been just a single race. But being a heat into a big final next week over long distance, I think it was sort of everyone was in protection mode and and making sure they're doing their best to get into the final. And like I said, the, the earlier heats were a little bit sus. Um but come race four, it all started to heat up and it, it just got bigger and better from then on. And and like you say, it's going to be a massive weekend next Saturday night. Just can't wait for the fields to run out. And I've just been doing some times, Bond. Instead of doing black bookers, because most of these are heat finals, I've, I've not worried about black bookers today, but I've got a few heat uh, time runners for you in each race that we'll go through later on because some of them absolutely smash the clock. Yeah, and I uh, that that's a good way of doing it, and, and also probably just giving an indication at uh, the the completion of the show who we think are going to win those major races. And of course, we are without the draws until tonight. But our pre our pre draw thoughts and maybe an idea about who needs to draw 
wear, which will help the punters when they do tune in this evening from 7pm for the Vic Cup, the Vic Derby and the Oaks Barrier Draw. Might even be doing the uh, the Bill Collins as well, the other group one. Four group ones. It's going to be some sort of meeting at Tabcourt Park, Melton on Saturday night. And I'll tell you one thing I do find a little bit bizarre. Well, there's a couple of things. that I'll mention this one more time. I reckon there should, there's got to be more long trip lead-up races. If I, I, I was an advocate of bringing the derby back to its true trip, which is 2,760 metres or a long, a long staying journey. But part of the reason they get protective, it's not only the qualification factor, it's the fact that um, trainers and connections aren't confident that, that their horses will run a strong 2,700, and certainly they don't want to be running a strong 2,700 two weeks in a row. But the one thing I think gets lost in this some, somewhere along the, the, the way is that if you don't draw well for the final, getting into the finals all well and good, but these are $24,000 races. Now, I know they're a lot richer uh, on Saturday night, Clevy, but they're not muck around races. And I feel like if you were, if you draw them well and you get a little bit of an opportunity, you might as well have a crack at winning this because, uh, you know, your heat's on Saturday night or the Saturday night just gone because you don't know, A, you, you, can, you can drive conservatively and not make the final, number one. And number two, even if you do make the final, in most of those finals, if you don't draw well again, well, you probably can't win this weekend either. Yeah, no, I agree with you there, mate. And I think you have a look at the Derby heats. Uh, that's exactly how they drove those. And I, I think maybe being three heats in the Oaks, I mean, top four, they might have been driving to qualify more so than the Derby where it's top yeah. six. Yeah. Um, but I like the top four because it should make it more, uh, you know, active with people trying to get into the race. But it sort of went the other way on Saturday night. Yeah, um, so it's going to be um, it's going to be a great night on Saturday night, but one horse who probably won't get into the Victoria Cup, unfortunately, because I've been pumping his tyres, is Hull in the air. Now this is the horse. So on the first edition of Winners, back from a break on uh, I think it's on seven two on a Saturday morning, I had Hull in the air as the best ruffie on the card. Well, he was disappointing that night. He wasn't disappointing. John Justice had to uh, make a few. Um, pretty dramatic moves in the concluding stages. But this was the hole in the end that I've been pumping the tyres of all preparation. He was excellent, Clevy. Yeah, no, he was. He, he got the trip that he really likes. He he used that real point-to-point speed where he can just accelerate off nothing. And when he got the brakes, it, it just opened up. And, you know, I mean, I, I watched the race and I turned to Lorraine. I said, well, if that was me, I said, none of those gaps would have opened up. I said, but just everything just played into his hands up the straight. Uh <clears throat> He just, yeah, and when he does get that gap, he just absolutely explodes. So it was great to see him back in the winner's stall. He was certainly knocking on the door. But, mate, I just could not believe you did not tip him as your bet for the charity challenge. $11. You'd be out in front and leading. Well, you'd you'd, uh, you'd be all too aware that uh, I had forgotten at that point on day one of the Harness <laughs> Charity Challenge. and uh, We assumed so. We've, we certainly found uh, something a little bit later at a much shorter price. But uh, Beyond a Light was just... Staggeringly good. 154-2 first up from a break. Parked out. Drills Mighty Flying Art, who's been racing very well at free-for-all level, into submission. Puts it to bed. And if not for for John Justice weaving all the right passages, Beyond Delight wins. And you half think to yourself, well, where does, where does he actually sit in the pantheon of four-year-olds? And when you're talking about the four-year-olds, I mean, where does he sit overall? He won't be in the Victoria Cup either. I don't think he's even nominated Beyond Delight, but... On the basis of this performance, I wouldn't say he's got to be right in that conversation with the better ones going around. 
Oh, 100%. He's always shown he's got the ability. He ran second in the size final, and he's come back absolutely sensational in that run. There's nothing worse. It happened to me a couple of times where you you sit in the desk, you do all the work, and like you say, he didn't just sit there. He put pressure on the leader, and then you get just nutted on the line by a sit sprinter. It really hurts, but he's gone absolutely super. Cosimo has just broken the clock again. I'll go through his times later. Uh, and one probably to watch, which we've got in our black book, and she's going to stay there, Enchanted Stride, was going for the same gap as Huli Nien got. And I saw David give uh, John Justice a little bit of a head shake after the line. I think he wasn't real happy. But uh, anyway, she she's certainly hitting the line just on under double wraps. Well, the, the two that I liked in the race, no, yeah, they were in those similar positions, Huli Nien and Enchanted Stride. There's got to be a race for Enchanted Stride. It's going to be interesting because the ladies in red has been nommed for um, leg one of the Elizabeth Clark. We used to say unofficial Mayor's Triple Crown, but it now is the official Elizabeth Clark Triple Crown. Make mine Cullen on Saturday night. So Enchanted Stride, if it goes in that race, once again has to deal with... Well, ladies in red is probably the number one... This is another thing we've got to talk about. Uh, ladies in red is probably the number one ranked horse in uh, Victoria and Australia. I don't, know, I don't know if you disagree with that. And the most exciting horse is Captain Ravishing, and both of them will be racing on Saturday night, and neither of them will be in the Victoria Cup. It's a weird, it's a weird, wild situation, Clevy. It is, but at the same time, do you really want to be, you know, putting those good horses to the sword against, you know, rock hard fit uh, horses? We we see it a lot where they're star two, three, and four year olds, but then their five year old season, they find it tough because they are stepping up a massive grade, you know, they're going against war horses. They're not just going against, uh, you know, it's like playing under 17s and under 18s and then just going to open AFL. It's, it's very tough. Um, so I, I think they're doing the right thing. I wouldn't be putting them in the, that really big race. I'd, I'd be letting them, I suppose, learn their craft a bit more because they're not over-raced and they, they will get to those races, you know, in 12 months' time and and so forth. So I, I'm i not against them doing that. I think that's a great great way to look after our best horses. Yeah, no, I, I, look, it, 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 on one hand, I've already started writing the articles for tomorrow's paper uh, for the Herald Sun. On one hand, it, it, it's a bizarre situation, and on another hand, it it's it's fantastic. It, it speaks to the, the, the depth that we have where you've got – a mayor's-only race that might have the best pacer in the country. We've got a three-year-old race in the Derby final that's got the most exciting horse in the country, and then you've got the Victoria Cup, and then you've got the and then you've got the Bill Collins Sprint. So it's going to be some sort of meeting. The the only weird thing before we um, uh, let go of race one and go to our first break here on Trot's Live Clevy, I'm amazed, and this is a measure of the depth as well. So normally when they go one fifty four two mile rate, there are big gaps, aren't there? There's big, big gaps because some horses get broken and you see pelotons and you see horses falling away. There was 9.3 metres separating the first nine runners home. So, they've, I mean, it's, it's pretty hard to, to knock anything here. Less than 20 metres first to last and a few of them didn't have luck. So when you're looking at this race, well done, Hooli in the end, beyond a light outstanding enchanted stride unlucky, but you couldn't really knock anything too hard. No, you certainly couldn't. Vanquish Stride was another one I was watching in the race. He's been going really well after a win last start. He was climbing over their backs as well. So, 
yeah, like you say, I mean, for 9.3 metres for the first, you know, three quarters of the field, just crazy. And and only a couple of lengths between the, you know, the 10th and 12th off them. So it's a, a magical race to start it off a really good night. And, I, you know, if the punters are out there watching, it would have got them on edge for uh, what was to come later on. All right, let's go for our first break here on the Metrospective edition of Trot's Life, a special Metrospective as we head towards the Victoria Cup card on Saturday night at Tabcourt Park, Melton. When we come back, Steve Cleave has got the calculator out. He's going to give us some time queens in the three heats of the Pride's Easy Feed Victoria Oak. Stick with us. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. This is not um, a well-known fact. But the weekend actually wrote this about the Victoria Cup. You wouldn't think he's a big harness racing man, but he's called the weekend. The Victoria Cup's on the weekend, and he could feel it coming. And he was right because it is coming Saturday night at Vic Harness headquarters, Tabcourt Park, Melton. Oak seats, first of them. Yeah, these were run. Um, these weren't run uh, for sheep stations, were they? Clevy 54-2 home for just hope. 27-6 and 26-6 led. Little pressure. Very, very, very hot. Chili-based um, jalapeno favourite in Cypher. Sits parked outside the lead. A drifter from 135 to 155. I thought she was crazy short all the way through regardless. Petiondo gets the gun run and looks the winner coming to the turn swinging. And in so- and uh, Star Celebrity just sort of does what Star Celebrity does. Uh, just sort of got a little bit unbalanced when looking like it was going to make a run and then charged home. The luckless runner that misses out on the Oaks. And there's got, I don't know what price. We're going to have black bookers. We're not going to have them. But non Perea, wherever it goes, I'd be backing it next start because it was bolting in behind them, the daughter of arms of an angel. But um, give us your thoughts on the race and uh, talk us through some of those, um, those timestamp runners that you've already outlined. Yeah, no, absolutely agree with you there. I, I did start writing Black Bookers and then uh, and Don Perea was the first one that really jumped out at me that was just swinging over the line and it got home absolutely sensational. So wherever it goes next, I'd certainly be following it. But uh, just hope, found the lead very easy. Uh, Petiont, who normally likes to get out in front and roll, didn't even challenge for the front, jumped straight on the leader's back. It was really good to see her there and, and doing a different bit of style racing and she relaxed really well on the leader's back. I was interested to see whether she'd get a bit fired up or not. And Cypher's just gone huge, sitting outside the leader. Uh, Star Celebrity, another very good run as well. He got straight off the fence into the 1-1. Uh, and then, as she said, Non-Pareil just climbing over the backs. And that's the way they settled in the run. The first five finished top five, simply because, you know, such a slow 31-4, 31-3, very slow lead time, you know, 27-6, 26-6. It's impossible to make ground from home, uh, from behind coming home. But the quickest one on the book there was Petty on sitting leaders back, 26.28 for her last quarter, 53-83 her last half. So out of those, she got the tick of the, uh, the clock breaker. But if we quickly just roll through their last halves, uh, Just Hope 54-1-6, Petiont 53-83, and Cypher 54-05 after sitting out in the death, Star Celebrity 53-97, Non-Pareil 53-85. There's your first five. Like, as I said, those halves, they are just absolutely burning. 
Oh, it's crazy. And that's the thing. The only hard part about it is you you don't get to learn a lot because there's no there's no way on God's green earth they're going to be running a 54-second last half, I don't reckon, on, on Saturday night in the Oaks final. So when these horses who are used to racing at sort of short and middle trips, they've all got what – it, all it tells you is they've all got that high speed. They've all got the ability to run a 54-second half under the right circumstances if if left alone and left to or allowed to find their rhythm in transit, which they did. Um, are we even though the, the timestamp uh, timestamp plays well for Petiond, are we still of the opinion that in Cipher was the run of the race in this first Victoria Oak seat, Clevy? Oh, 110%. That was a massive run to be able to sit outside it. And, you know, I mean, it's only gone down a, a half a head. Like, on the line, there wasn't much between them, and it was almost like a thoroughbred race. Uh, Petion had her head down. Just Hope had her head up, and, and Cypher was just right there with them. So I, that was the run of the race for me. And, you know, if you have a look at uh, her prep, you'd think she's only going to come off that race, you know, with improvement. So first up since, uh, what did we have? We had May and we, yeah, Globe Derby in May, she won. And then 20th September, she won at Bendigo. 1st of October was her next run. So you'd think that uh, she should be just peaking coming into the final next week and definitely the, uh, the top pick out of that field. Right, we'll go through the second heat. I think um, the uh, the great Gareth Hall is going to join us for a short time and give his thoughts on this Victoria Cup meeting on Saturday. He'll be a very happy man when we talk about Allegan a little bit later. On Giddy Up with Gareth Hall last week, Anthony Butt um, tipped Allegan, I reckon, at the start of the week for the punters. Might have been around $26 or even 34 when markets came out. Was well back late and got the job done, so he'll be crying about that. But we're not at Allegan yet. We're up to Relentless Me. And you spoke about the fact that Relentless Me... Um, a little bit like just opened the previous. It was it was like a replica in many ways. Home in fifty four allowed a lead, dictate terms. Um, Jack Law was big on the idea that Relentless Me doesn't need to lead to win her races. Yet the record now says, well, it, it got fortified on Saturday night. Relentless Me's only ever won in front. So I, the barrier draw for her. I think he's going to be a hell of a lot more important than it will be for a few others tonight between seven and eight pm, Clevy. Yeah, no, absolutely agree with that. She's uh, certainly loves being out in front. I suppose, you know, if he's talking about her winning off speed, I, I don't think it'd be coming back from last or you know circling the field. I think maybe if she's leaders back on three pegs, she maybe have a hope. But like you say, the barrier draw is going to be really important here. But uh, it was just a real pedestrian race and. As I said, if it wasn't a, a heat leading into a final next week, there's no way that that race would have been run the way the way it was. Um, she just got away with murder out in front. First quarter, 31-4, 31-8, 27-2, home in 26-8. And basically the only one that really made up ground from behind was Amore Vita, and she absolutely smashed the clock. Her third quarter, 26-91. Her fourth quarter, 26-68, 53-79 last half. Can't get any quicker than that. Um, it, it, on the punting side, you look at it and say, oh, she's only run fourth. But when you have a look at the speeds they're running to do what she did, uh, you, you just can't go any quicker than that. So she gets a tick for sure. Yeah, um, it was uh, a really interesting race for Moro Vida. Um uh, down the track, Beach Memories. Well, Beach Memories, I was actually out there and just saw Beach Memories absolutely behaving, just bucking before the start. So um, she was my roughie of the night, but, uh, you know, 
complete forgive run, but um, I'm told that David Moran and her aren't the best of friends, and um, they certainly didn't seem like they were mates before the start on Saturday night. No, she was certainly uh, up to her bad habits, and uh, yeah, she was putting on a show, that's for sure. But look, she got home good. She she sort of got dropped off a little bit when uh, the pace went on at the 400, but she boxed on well. Um, our little Jack got up the straight quite well up the inside, and also Lavrado Beach sort of hit the line as well. For those not getting into it, you know, our little Jet and Lavrado Beach are two that certainly both went well too because they made up some ground uh, on the winners, even though they've been well beaten. I'll tell you what's going to be a very tough task. We'll talk about this a little bit later, but we won't know. By the end of today's show, we won't know the field for the Victoria Cup. But our prayers and thoughts go out to the um, the racing department and uh, my great mate Paul Oxenford at 400 Epsom Road. Uh, it's probably been made marginally easier with a couple coming out and Lock and Barat not being there and over in America and all the rest of it. But it's 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 not an enviable task, is it, Clevy? No, it's certainly not. It's uh, it's it's really hard. And I mean, you're going to ask me for my tip in the Oaks before we finish, and I I, I don't think we learnt anything from the Oaks heats. That that's the you know challenging part was nothing said. Hey, I'm a tough horse, and I'm going to you know eat this trip up because of the way the races were run. So it's going to be really hard to pick a winner. Whereas the Derby's maybe gave us a bit better insight as to who's who in the zoo. But, um, yeah, it, it's certainly going to be tough. And the barrier draws, I think, are going to play a massive role in uh, especially the Oaks. Uh, you know, who who then you're going to tip on top. Yeah. Gareth Hall not joining us yet. Hopefully he will soon. And uh, we will talk about Anthony Butt tipping elegant in Heat 3 of the Pride's Easy Feed Victoria Oaks Series. Pride's Easy Feed also sponsoring the Victoria Cup on Saturday night, and um, this was a great drive from Anthony, but I did feel that there seemed to be this overwhelming um, belief that Beach Life would just uh, dart across. But Elegant's a pretty quick beginner when you want her to be an Anthony, but we know what a brilliant, aggressive driver he is. Got the front, then thought, then thought, okay, I'll take a sit on Beach Life. That left a situation where Soho Astoria was a little bit back in the field. This was run at a more genuine tempo. 157.2 is okay going over 2,760 metres. They got moving in the second quarter rather than probably the um, the third quarter in this particular oak seed. And that's why the last half was a little bit slower, 55-7 on the way home. But 157-2 mile rate, far quicker than the first two. A good win. What do we make of Soho Historia? And the one that I liked in the race at a price was desperately unlucky. Miss Shantee absolutely flew home. And now there's a trend with her. Heat and final of the New South Wales Oaks and now heat of the Victoria Oaks. She's one that I think genuinely does enjoy a long trip and will finish off hard as long as long as she draws for a relatively economical trip, Clevy. Yeah, 100% there. She uh, she did a little bit of burn off the gate just to make sure she held her position to hand up to who she wanted to hand up to. Nathan sort of bustled her out and just said uh, to the horse head side of him, nope, you're not getting it, which, uh, you know, it wasn't like she just fell into a position. So she did have to do a little bit of work. She then got the cover, then threw back the fence, but she got home super um, like you say, uh, Elegant just dominated the start. Just, you know, Ants just does what Ants does. He, he knew that uh, that horse was going to come out beach life running and he just did enough to make sure that he knew that they weren't going to get across him without 
doing too much on his horse. So he, he drove that an absolute perler off the gate, then let it work to the front, but, you know, sort of took the edge off that horse of uh, the Emma Stewart stable. But Miss Chantilly was certainly an eye catcher. And Soho Astoria as well, just looking at the times that they've got home in. Soho Astoria has got home in 154.7, last half in 55.24. Miss Chantilly, last half 54.29. So 100%, if she gets a draw where she can be tucked away like she was in the heat, you know, she's leaders back, three pegs, something like that. She's going to be really dangerous with her finishing burst. But uh, beach life was still good. Um, and then behind them, you know, talk time. I thought she's just going to improve off a run like that. And then probably not a lot coming out from behind them. All right. We'll talk more about uh, the Oaks and the composition of that field. A couple of really nice horses missing out talk time and also non peril in particular. Um, but we'll talk about the composition, and I reckon the draws are going to be more influential in the Oaks than they will in the Derby. We saw a couple of horses drawn very poorly in the Derby heats on Saturday night, and they were easily able to overcome it. I speak of Leap to Fame, and particularly that standard breed freak show called Captain Ravishing. Time for the news. Find out what's happening in the world back in a moment. More Trot's Life, more Metrospective coming up. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 a little bit of Dido. I do we enjoy Dido. It is sleep music, but I do enjoy Dido. It's probably, if you're going to get yourself wound up, if you're on your way out to Melton on Saturday night and you're trying to get wound up for the trots, probably wouldn't put white flag on. I think that's probably more at the end of the night where you're trying to wind down, but still a lovely song. Um, I'm going to go through the Oaks qualifiers quickly with you, Clevy. And yep. I'm putting you under pressure here, but this is what it's all about. Um, pressure makes diamonds, so... Who can win? Who can place? Who's in trouble? Can just hope with the right draw win the Oaks? Yes. We're going to be saying yes a few times, I think, here. I'd get used to saying yes. Petty Ont, with the right draw, yep. can it win? Yes. Yes, I agree with both of those. In Cypher, of course she can win. Yes. In fact, I think she's the one to beat. Um, star Celebrity. It's hard, that one. Yeah. I, I, look, she, I'd, I'd put her in. For, I think she can place. I think she's good enough to win. I don't know if she's professional enough to win at this point or, or has yeah. the ring craft or the the cadence or the action to, to just peel off and roll if she, when she needs to. Here's another tough one. Can Relentless Me win? Barrier draw dependent. I would say but play. even then, yeah, yeah I, I still think she's probably a place bet. I don't know if she could win. So. No. I think she's... She's, she's not going to get away with an easy run in front like she did in the heat. No, and I do think that... If she's off the speed, there's others that can obviously go just as quick as her, if you know what I mean. So she's one of those, I think, plays. Yeah. Yeah. Joe and Joe was only first up from a break. Did get a very soft trip here. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give a no to Joe and Joe. I'm gonna go no. I'm gonna, gonna give a, a no to Wendy's wish. Well done to to Russell Jack and the team and Lee Sutton for qualifying her at a hundred to one. But I think uh, I think winning the Oaks might be beyond her. Yeah, correct. Amore Vita, there was um, a split decision. Uh, between the studio and Dan Malecki and everyone on Trot's Vision on Saturday night, I'm still giving her a big hope of winning the Oaks. Absolutely. If it's a genuine run race, she's got to be right in it. 
Elegant. Yes. Oh. With the right draw, yes. It's hard to say no at the moment, isn't it? She's got it a lot is. of ability. I cusp, cusp. Um, gee, Soho Astoria. I, I've got to tell you, I, I'm, I'm half slightly weirdly leaning towards no after Saturday night. Third up, I think she'll be peaking. I'll say with the right run, yes. Maybe Michonne can win. I definitely think she's a great place, Hope, depending on draw. Yep, definitely good each way, but can win. If it draws one and happens to be leaders back or something like that, can definitely win. I think Beach Life is only a place, Hope. Correct. All right, we're pretty much in concurrence there, but but it's exciting to think that there are at least sort of six or seven yeses or half yeses there. Uh, and that tells you that um, that draw tonight, once again, on racing.com and across all the platforms between 7 and 8 p.m., hosted by Ryan Field and, and Adam Hamilton, and I'll be there uh, chipping in as well. Um, that's going to be really important for the Oaks. Right. Now, first leg of the quaddie on Saturday night at Tabcourt Park. Melton will just get through this race and maybe take another short break. Gareth ought to join us at some juncture. Uh, Major Perry now. I did speak with... Uh, not Scotty. Well, we spoke to Scotty Phelan, of course, he's the co-trainer, along with the legendary Barry Purden, and he drove Major Perry. But even running to Josh Dickey on uh, one of my little wanders in between races on Saturday night, and they were pretty keen. They were pretty keen that they could win. Was second to leap to fame in the New South Wales Derby. Um, got that a uh, little bit of Kiwi going on there. I think is that uh, there's a Whitaker there. Is it? That's not Lukey, is it? Uh, anyway, it'd be as part of the ownership, but uh, it was a very good win. Rip was absolutely outstanding, and he's the son of a gun. I thought put in the kind of run that tells me if he draws well, I'm thinking he's a massive blowout hope uh, this Saturday night as well. Cleve, this was a good race. Yeah, this was a really good race. And one thing about the Kiwis, the good thing you can guarantee with these horses, they generally stay the trip. So that was one thing going for him straight away. Plus, he'd already been in derbies before, so you knew he was always going to be dangerous. But I was surprised how big a odds he was at $21. That was massive overs, I thought. Uh, he got a beautiful run through at the start. And look, luck does play a lot in it because uh, he did get lucky to get the brakes around the home corner to be able to get out and, and storm home late and just grab Rip on the line. And as you say, Rip was absolutely massive in that run. He he had to draw all the way back to last from seven. Took him sort of nearly a third of a lap just to get back to last. Then he's had to make his move out three wide on his own. He's ran his middle half in 55.32 and his last half in 55.8. His last mile, he's ran 152.51 over the long trip and he's just got nabbed on the line by a short half head. That was just absolutely amazing. He's the son of a gun, led, handed up to interest free, who just you know, guaranteed him a good trip. And uh, he flashed home late. As you say, if he gets a barrier draw and he can be in that position where he can really pounce, his closing sectional was really good. Like he hit the line as good as anything. He, he was humming, you know, right on the post. Yeah, I, I just like because we know he's got the gates better. So I'll tell you, you are right. This was uh, quite unusual when you look at it, the, the, the prices because I, I know, and I was very much in the camp of catch a wave. And we know, I think, I think maybe and the, the circumstances here, this was brutal. First quarter 28 8, then 28, then 28, then 29 5. This is, they won't run the actual derby much faster than this. Um, and catch a wave took off at a very difficult time and maybe. A little while between runs, and maybe there was a question mark over his staying prowess and all the rest of it. I'll, I'll yeah. add one little bit into that. 
he covered his first half in 55-72. So, it's crazy. you know, he's he's going to get tired. I mean, yes, he's been beaten 22 metres, but 55-72, three wide on a corner in a 28-7 quarter to go and get the death, like, it's got to take the sting out of him, especially over 27-60. Even if you can stay, th- that's still going to take the sting out of you. Well, I think Kate was obviously expecting that they would drop anchor at some point for a little while, um, but it just didn't happen. It just didn't happen. So, yeah, dead right, 55-70. Yeah, not, not, not many would be able to deal with that, if any. How many dudes you know got the skills to go, rock a shit. Right, so Major Perry, second in the derby, had already been in the New South Wales derby, had been in the Great Northern derby and, and finished fourth. Rip turned up here as a multiple group one winner already in 10 starts, and they were $21.55. So crazy. I think that weirdly sometimes I think over the journey – we have overrated um, interstate and overseas, and that means New Zealand um, recruits that come over here to attack these races. On this occasion, I think we just badly, badly underrated them and maybe only focused on can't find a better man as being easily the best of them. He was scoped after the race. So was Catch a Wave, but we've already outlined um, the, the likely reasons why Catch a Wave uh, was beaten 22 metres. In fact, it probably wasn't a bad run at all based on those circumstances. Uh yeah, interest free. I thought was, I thought was pretty good, but um, I've just got a funny feeling. I, I feel like interest free stocks have gone slightly, have risen slightly higher than uh, they probably should have. I think he's a really, really, really nice horse. But the problem for interest free, I reckon, for next weekend is he's not the absolute strongest horse in the series, and he's not the fastest. So if you're not the strongest and you're not the fastest you sort of got to hope that it's running away where you get the perfect trip and you get to use all of your, your attributes and that gets you to win. I, I think it's unlikely to happen. We'll go back and talk about um, uh, who we think can win and who can't win out of that first heat and the second heat pretty soon. The other qualifiers, by the way, can't find a better man and Kafaji gets into the final as well. So the six qualifiers from this heat, Major Perry, Rip, he's a son of a gun, interest-free, can't find a better man and Kafaji. We might go for another break at this juncture, I think. Come back in a moment. We're through five races. One more derby here to go. We'll look at the smoking up sprint and also the Chris Outrotters free-for-all. So much information IP required for making a profit this Saturday night. Vic Cut, not at Tabcorp Park. Melton, stick with us. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 How many dudes you know roll like this? How many dudes you know flow like this? Not many, if any, not many, if any. How many dudes you know got the skills to go and rock a show like this? Ah, isn't that banger? A Rod tried to tell us out there that there was a follow-up to this song from Scribe, and actually made mention there should be more Scribe on the station. I think Scribe hit hard here, and his follow-up performances probably weren't that strong overall. To be fair, you got. I thought he had a second song, but he doesn't. No, no. I think you tried to play one and you realised, I don't know this and neither does anybody else. He did have other other songs that weren't any good. Well done to Scribe and well done to my my mouldy Kiwi brethren. God bless. Kia ora. Right, let's move on, Clevy. Race race six, second. Heat of the uh, down by the seaside Victoria Derby. And this was unbelievable. Now... We can look at the times. Again, 158.3, slow lead time, 32.1 second first quarter. Now, on face value, that seems boring. 
But the last 800 metres was as much fun as you can have um, with your Dacton watching harness racing, Captain Ravishing and Leap to Fame drawing away Bone Crusher, our Waverly Star style. It was terrific. Yeah, it certainly was. I love that. That's the best saying ever. <laughs> the most fun you can have with your pants on. Uh, yeah, no, it was uh, just terrific watching. Like you said, it wasn't overly hard early. Uh, bet on the Tiger just rolled to the front and uh, was always going to take cover from whoever got there first, whether it was Leap to Fame or Captain Ravishing. Those two were three wide for the first half, three quarters of a lap to get around to their positions. And then uh, once they settled, they, they didn't do much for the, the first bit. They just sort of caught their breaths and sat up a bit. But gee, when they got running, it was just game on. Pity uh, just looked across and said, let's go, going down the back straight. Captain Ravishing has ran his middle half in 56.54 and his last half in 53.22, sitting outside Leap to Fame and doing things wrong. Like, he looked like he was crossed Leap to Fame before the straight. He hung in, Pity's had to straighten him up. He'd lost a metre or two. Leap to Fame come back to him. Then again, as they straightened, he, he looked like he was just going to roll straight past him. He hung in again. Petty had to check him and then, you know, Leap to Fame got that kick back on the inside. And then again, halfway up the straight, he was just running straight past him. And again, he just ducked in on top of Leap to Fame like he was almost going to take his legs out from under him. And every time he hung in and he had to get corrected, Leap to Fame gained half a length on him. But in, in five strides, he'd get that half a length back and then almost get across him. And he's just something amazing. His raw ability is just out of this world. I just hope they can just turn him into a, a real racehorse now if they can get his mind on the job and correct him and, and just get him racing truly because if he raced truly the other night, I reckon he wins that by two lengths. And and that's probably a big statement. But three times he got past, like almost got past the toes of Leap to Fame and three times he then lost half a length and Leap to Fame got back up inside of him, but he just kept doing it. So you think if he runs straight he actually gets across him the first time and then probably pulls away. I, yeah, I don't think it's a big call at all. I think he, I, I th- th- this might sound even, this does sound, I think he would have won by 15, 20 metres. Um, I, I, he he had put uh, Leap to Fame to bed before the term. And yes, Leap to Fame did a great job to fight back. But as you mentioned, the fight back was contributed to so greatly by, Captain Ravishing, um, losing momentum every time that he hung in. But I tell you, I'm a little bit weird like this, and I have been since I was a kid with racing and thoroughbreds even. I do hope he turns out to be a professional racehorse, but there's something so sexy and glamorous and wonderful about the fact that he's a nutcase and that he's going so fast, fast he gets the wobbles and he turns his head to one side. He's just got, got charisma and character, hasn't he? I mean, he... He's reminded, well, right from the first run, this preparation, you rem- like, I thought I was watching Ride High. There's so much Ride High about the horse. I saw Grant Coelho mention the same thing. Shannon O'Sullivan on the coverage on Saturday night. He's like Ride High so much, but and, and we will never know, will we? We'll never know. But the question is, could Ride High have done the things that Captain Ravishing might be capable of doing over the long trip? Because this was the test. And I know it wasn't a truly around 2,760 metres, but Captain Ravishing seems to have absolutely everything. And he seems to, like, even when he was going his quickest, straight after the race, uh, you know, they, they they panned the camera to him on Trot's vision and he didn't look like, he looked like he could have gone around again. 
Like, he's just, he's a very, very exciting horse. Really, uh, are we going so far as to say only he can beat himself on on Saturday night, or, or are you a little bit more dubious that if he gets a bad draw and leap to fame draws well, well, he still might need some luck to win. I, I think he can only beat himself personally. Yeah, my only concern coming out of that, and, and again, this is the opposite to what we said earlier with the Oak seats about, you know, they were driving almost to qualifying the Oaks, whereas these two derby heats, they were driving to win, is how much do these horses get taxed out of those runs? That'll be the big question is how they back up after that hard 2760-metre racing coming in next week. You'd think this bloke's got, you know, I mean, look, it's probably his to lose. Um, the barrier draws are certainly going to make it interesting, but when you look at the times that they're running and, yeah, it, it's scary to think where this bloke could go. And like you say, I, I don't like comparing horses, you know, when you say, could Rye High have done this or, you know, could Rye High have done that? The simple fact is he beat what he raced at that time and he was the very best. So I, I, I never like to question, you know, people say, oh, is Black Caviar better than Winks and all that sort of stuff. I, I just think they're the best of the time and they can only beat who they race against. And, yeah, so I like to not compare him to other horses, but to say, hey, this is this horse reminds me of Ride High, then absolutely, because he is freakish. He really is freakish. And, and this is the sort of horses we need to create a bit of interest in harness racing. Again, we need to be promoting this horse uh, you know, and showing, like you just said, doing things wrong and still smashing the clock and still just beating these horses up, being so unprofessional at it, but doing it, you know, just out of ability. And they're the horses that can really attract people to it. Absolutely no doubt about it. Now, we're going to take our final break, little link up to get us through to the end of the first hour, come back and talk more. And the first subject, don't know where G Hall is. If he comes in here, get up, we'll have a chat with him. But if not, we are going to go through all those Victoria Derby finalists and uh, do what we did with the Oaks and give a yes, no, or maybe. There's going to be less yeses here, let me tell you. Say yes to the less stress, whatever, Derby. Back soon. You're listening to the Monday Metrospective with Jason Bonington on SEN Track. Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to uh, Trot's Live, the retrospective edition as we wind up towards the Group 1 Grand Circuit Victoria Cup on Saturday night. We're joined by Giddy up Gareth Hall. Gareth. I know your time's out a little bit, but good evening, good afternoon. Oh, sorry. Good evening. It, well, it feels like, well, daylight savings and all the rest. What are you looking forward to most this Saturday night, Gareth? Um, probably, I think, the Victoria Derby, clearly. For one horse, though, the actual derby, or just for one horse? No, Leap to Fame taking on Captain Ravishing once again. I hope Leap to Fame draws the lead and Captain Ravishing has to do what he what he did there on, on Saturday night. Now, I'm going to ask you both. We've got Clevey on the line as well. Um, I think the die is cast, to be honest, and you would have made your phone calls because you, you're just always making phone calls. You'd, you'd be on the, on the scene. and, well, and knowing our what... job to find out some information, Jason. Yeah, but sometimes there's information that we can find out and we probably can't. Declare, but um, I'll ask the question theoretically anyway, hypothetically. Catch a wave. So the two runners, I think um, I think Adam Hamilton might have been tweeting about it as well, but we were talking about it on Saturday night. Catch a wave nominated for the Victoria Cup. So too I cast no shadow to either or both get a run. I know your philosophy on these things generally. I think you'd give... Well, catch a wave, he doesn't make the derby. No. 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 I don't think he can get a start in the Victoria Cup catch a wave. Oh, have you changed? Not really, but he was—he wasn't great in the Victoria Derby. He was he? 
Well, he's beaten 22 metres and he ran his first half of the final mile over 2,760 in 55.72. Correct. But he's a three-year-old. He needs to... Oh, I don't, Hang I on don't a second. Wait, wait a second. Before we go on here, I've known you for a long time and I, I actually... I don't disagree with what you're saying, but you've always been a believer that feature fields should be made up from... As a result, well, they should be indicated by the likely market support. So if Catch a Wave was... If there was a market right now, Catch a Wave would be well, shorter than way, a lot of other runners that will get a run. If they want to have a three-year-old in the race, then they shouldn't have the Victoria Derby and the Vic Cup on the same night. And then, well, I don't think they do want to. I don't think they want a, a three-year-old. But this has just been an unusual situation, yeah, hasn't well, it? I, yeah, I'm happy with your answer. I, but you I'm can't, just checking I, your philosophy. It doesn't make sense. Like it, it's different. Like I think you're going back to King of Swing. He started close to favourite that night where he, when he got in and he was. Oh, it's not just out. King of Swing. It's all like it's always. I think it's 100%, always been your. But what I'm saying is that you can't have a three year old that didn't even make the three year old Derby final get into a Victoria Cup. I don't that mind. doesn't make sense. Probably not. Um, and uh, Clevy, your thoughts on it? Yeah, no, I put a big question mark whether I'd give him a start too. Uh, there's, I think there's probably ten ten runners that gets an automatic tick, and then the next three. Were, are very difficult to pick out of the rest of the field. The so, um, well, if I go through who I think's in, um, Rock and Roll Do's in, Bonalua Bay's in, Torrid Saint, Better Eclipse, Local Wildfire's at question mark, um, Triple Eight's in, Expensive Ego, Max Delight, Stingray Tara, Better Be the Bomb, and Supreme Dominator. They're my ticks. Stingray Tara, he's come a long way. And then I would have to sit there and really go through the rest of them to find out who gets the next couple of spots. I don't know. They might not all be ticks. Um, put it that way. Well, you know, you talk well, I don't, to I don't, all the time. I don't know, but because I, I don't think it's actually completed. But I think, I think that there'd be, uh, I think there'd probably be five. There's always about five that are on the borderline, I think. And then you've got to make critical decisions about. Um, about form, about what they've done in the last 12 months. At least this year we don't have the situation where sometimes you've got a horse that's been off the scene, don't you? And they were a very good horse maybe 12 months ago and you've, you haven't seen them or you've seen them once. We don't have one of those this year. I cast no shadow. Does it get a run for you? Yeah, I think it went pretty good the other day at Menangle. Okay. Um, I, don't, I haven't had a close look at it because it's been a, a busy morning. But, um, yeah. Well, I'll read them out. I'll read them out and Bon and Gareth, yep. you say yes or no, and then we'll see where we're all at. So rock and roll do. Yes. You know that's a yes. Tip. Catch a wave. No. Next. Bon. Well, you have an opinion. <laughs> oh, look. Oh, what, so many it's things. It's not about, a yes, it's a no. The fact that. Like, yeah, well, no, I'm. Uh, just trying to get out. I'm, I'm, yes I'm aware it's... of the dichotomy of the, the paradox of the yes, no conundrum. Um, <laughs> I uh, probably, probably no. Okay, it's I'm on a I'll continue this on for the next 20 minutes if I want to, Gareth. <laughs> yes. On a little bay? Yes. Yes, yes. Uh, where you been bopping? No. Gareth? Um, I'll, I'll come back to that after we go through some of the other horses. <laughs> okay. Apparently we've got all day now. Um, Torrid Saint is a yes. yes. Uh, I cast no shadow? Yes. No. Did it be? Better Eclipse? Yes. Absolutely. Crime Rider? No. No, which, no. Like a wildfire? Yes. Yes. Ultra Orlando? 
Yes. We got to have him in. Borderline, borderline. He's 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 been a great horse after Orlando, but he's I'm I'm I just turned forty three. He's about he's about forty one. Triple eight. Yes. Yep. Uh, Hul Nien. No. Kills me. It kills me to say no because I love him, but no, no, he can't get in. Expensive ego. Yes. Yes. Max Delight. Yes. Yes. How many have we ticked uh, so far? Uh, one, two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight, about nine. Okay, we've got three uh, more runners. Stingray Tara? Um, no. I don't, I don't know how he gets in because he he hasn't won a race at Menangle, has he? He was close. No, he's had two seconds. Yeah, no, he can't get in. So I, but, but people always accuse me of this. But right now, I, I genuinely believe that open class racing at Menangle. Well, it's different. They, they, it doesn't they, compare to what the, it's not strong. It's not strong enough. In my opinion, yeah. well, you said that about be Majestic Cruiser, but he went on to win um, the Blacks of Fake. He, he won a Messenger because you have that philosophy. Maybe they become different horses. They what? get better experienced and they enjoy the Menangle racing and they get more confidence. No, there's there's always exceptions that yeah. prove rules. I mean, that's Majestic Cruiser, but it, more broadly, what was that Shane Tritton horse he had off Fanny Gath that improved out of sight. Oh, jeez, Mac um, Mac Beauty, Mac Beauty. Yeah. Swaf Shui Lombo is another example. All right, then, sorry. None of them won a grand circuit, right? Yep. Better be the bomb. Yes. <sighs> Borderline. Yes, he's in there. You Copy might find that. more more than 12 at a moment. Copy that to yes. Yes. So wh- what's um that Menangle form where you've been bopping and I cast no shadow? Have the, I cast no shadow one on Saturday, didn't he? Yeah, he's got to go in. Where you've been bopping one as well a couple of weeks ago. I, I would have... I would, I would, um, yeah. Have I, I don't know. How many have I got left? Uh, no, I've only got probably two spots left. So we've got Malcolm's Rhythm, Supreme Dominator, AG's White Sox, Bulletproof Boy, Tango Tara, Mac Shark, <laughs> Mac Dan. You're going to get over 12. Yeah. This is a Supreme, exercise. Supreme Dominator? Yes. So then you've got um, Bulletproof Boy? No. Jeez. Mac Shard? Uh, Max yes. Shard's got better form yep. long term than all Maybe of those. Maybe than Ultra Land. I'd put Mark Shard in before Ultra Land. Tango Tara. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah, it's a lot. He's going really, really well, but then he's in the Maybe same group. Better, Maybe better be the bomb might not get a start then. I think he's going to be borderline. I think yep. Bulletproof Boy will be borderline. I think a couple of those New South Wales runners should be borderline. It's. it's I don't know how you've got Tingray Tara and then Cleavy. I just thought he was uh, a little bit of a spruik. They might be just looking for an interstate horse to put in there. Yeah, but I I, I, I understand your thinking, but I don't think he, he needed to win at Menangle to gain a start for mine. Who is your so t- quick question yeah. on copy that? Yeah. He's had three starts here. Is Bondi locked down win. No, he bled. He stood down for three months. Yeah. So sad to see. He's like... I, was, I ran into Dunning. I think he's, he's like, what? He needs a spell. He needs a spell because he just needs to go back and he needs six, he needs like he, he needs six months or more. I think he, yeah. he needs to forget everything, all those incredibly hard runs, and just spend some time time yeah. in the paddock and just enjoy his life for a bit. Sorry, um, sorry, Clevy, copy that. No, we're just saying about different runners, and I said, well, copy that's come over. I know he's a New Zealand Cup winner from twelve months ago, but he hasn't done that much here. I mean, the one race he won was sort of a gimme race. And then he's had a little slight bleed during the week. And first up, he was very ordinary. So, you know, there's question marks on a horse like him. 
He, no, I, he's got to be... Nearly the he's first a, pick, he's an, he's an automatic... <laughs> like, I think the automatic entries, Max Delight as the, as the defending champ. New Zealand Cup yep. winner obviously always goes in. Triple H's won a group one. Rock and roll do. Rock and roll do goes in. Better Eclipse is a chariot to fire winner and won the Sunshine Sprint. Triple A group one winner. You just mentioned him. So there's, I think there's about seven or eight that that, that are removable. And then it becomes... Expensive E goes in. Expensive E goes in. Yeah, so... It's it's the same every year for all the big races. There's about seven or eight that pick themselves, and then it is a deeply unenviable task to be Paul Oxenford or the team at Harness Racing Victoria or any jurisdiction that has to pick a major race because it beca- it comes down to conjecture and opinion at that point. Gary, there's no king of swing on the borderline this time around. They're all pretty even. They've had they've had but exposed for. But, but one thing one thing I can guarantee is the old mate there at 400 Epsom Road is going to be having at least. Two or three connections, yeah. blowing up deluxe because they believe um, we haven't even spoke. Was Mac Dan even in that conversation? No, he was the last one on the list. Yeah, what's he no done recently? All right, Eddie Murphy. What, what have you done for me lately? Well, no, I don't know what he's done. Yeah, so I don't. Five, seven, four, nine. I think winning chances in the in the Victoria Cup, like Rock and Roll, has to be the favourite, doesn't he, at the moment? I reckon it's a four-year-old. I reckon Better Eclipse went well enough the other night and has a Better Eclipse and Rock and Roll do would be the yeah. the top of the tree. Having said that, both of them will still need to draw well tonight. Yeah. It's one of those races. Um, I can't believe it. Someone get Paul Oxenford a box of uh, Panadol or Nurofen or something. Queen Elite is the best trotter in the country to win the Bill Collins Trotters Mile. Like, how good is she? Yeah. She was magnificent on, uh, um, I on think Saturday night. Elegant on Facing the Breeze with Jack Trainer. They join me every Tuesday for a harness racing segment where we talk about some of the, the hot topics and debate a few different scenarios. Ant said that Elegant um, is a big chance in the Victoria Oaks. She was $51 into $16, and I give her a big chance again. Draws will play a major part. Just Hope was a ridiculous price there on Saturday, $4 from the pole. Yeah, but that was all down to the... There was this insane thing about Encipher, $1.35. So everybody Why? else, I don't, well, I, I do know the same interview I did with Emma Stewart here on Trot's Life, where she mentioned Captain Ravishing before he came back and joined the stable and said, he's the next big thing. I asked, I said, who's your best filly? She said Encipher. Encipher came out and bashed just a little sib, who people have got a reasonably good opinion of. But then there was just this dramatic overreaction. Like it was crazy. Got out to $1.55. I think she's still actually the one to beat probably. But she was just a stupid, stupid price on on Saturday night for a variety of reasons. I've got to run, but I think Captain Ravishing is the best. Like that race there on Saturday night, it was so good for the sport of harness racing. Leap to fame, wanted to kick back, and he's got something about him, Captain Ravishing. He is the next big thing in this sport if they can keep him sound and he goes on with it. But um, I would love to have seen him in a Victoria Cup. If he drew the pole, he probably nearly wins the he, Victoria Cup. All right, here's one last question before you go, and we're hopefully going to have Clayton Tonkin on on Zoom tonight for the uh, the Victoria Cup Barrier Draw and Racing dot com. And I would like him to be asked, who's the better horse out of Captain Ravishing and Ladies in Red, oh, uh, Clay, Clayton Hall? Who, what are you saying? It's not even a debate, is it? Captain Cut. Ravishing. It's, it's amazing. Why isn't Ladies in Red in a Victoria Cup? Uh, where did Leap to Fame, Leap to Fame went in the Rising Sun, yeah? Yeah. And what did Ladies in Red do to it? Um, well, she led at Albion Park. Yeah. He wasn't bad, Leap to Fame. I just think what we do, what we do with horses too often is they're, we don't we forget about them extremely quickly. 100%. I love Ladies in Red. I think that she's definitely the, she's a, one of the great 
marketing tools for the sport of harness racing, but they should he do might be, they, He might be an even better marketing they, tool. They need to do what they do in the, the gallops wait for age, give the mares a concession, like they give the mares, what, two kilos um, wait for age. They should allow the, the girls to have the advantage with the draws. In these we can't races. do that with the trotters, though, because Queen Elida right. and I'm ready, Jet, uh, uh, probably the two best trotters well, going around. When was the last time we had a Grand Circuit winner um, with the mare winning? Sounds crazy. Would she have started in the, the Victoria Cup if that was the case? Are you talking about paces? Yeah, yeah. No, not, no. not this year. That, they were they ga- if they gave her a 25 metre head start, they might have gone. Gareth Hall, Good luck. great to have him join us and have a little bit of a chat about this great meeting on Saturday night. And it's also chopped us out a bit for retrospective. We can we can take a, a breather for a moment, take a break. I think Clevium will come back and we'll talk about the smoking up sprint. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. Over, sure. Over, Beyonce, Solange. Okay, 50, white, Lincoln Park. There. There's a little bit of H to the Isle, bit of the Isle. Jay-Z. Now, smoking up sprint. Sponsored by Tab, the final lead-up race towards the Victoria Cup, and Torrid Saint was able to lead as I think most people expected. There was some conjecture that it would hand up. I constantly talk about this, Clevy. Seventeen hundred and twenty meters. It. What I what I find most exciting about the short course racing these days. Um, I like short trip racing better than middle trip racing because you're, you're less likely to see horses hand up. And Torrid Saint held the front and and did it again. So one. The uh, My Lightning Blue Free for All Betting Lock and Varat and 151.7 didn't have to go near as quick to get the job done here, though. No, exactly right. He, he held him out quite comfortably and then copped no pressure in the middle of the race with copy that, just sitting a, a length back off him and uh, allowed him to sort of do as he pleased, which was very dangerous because you saw how good he went in the My Lightning Blue Free for All running that sort of time. And the 30.7, well, even a 29 first quarter, you know, 30.7 second quarter, uh, it's pretty slow in a, you know, a group two sprint race. 28-2 down the back even was still slow. And then a 26-6 rip home last quarter. And, uh, yeah, just made it mathematically impossible to uh, to really get beaten. And I suppose in the beaten brigade, triple eight was very good. Sat leaders back, uh, got home the line really well. Better Eclipse. He was my eye catcher. He really savaged the line, and and that'll tighten him right up for the uh, Victoria Cup. I really like that run. Last half, 54-3. Last quarter, 26-75. So uh, Greg never knocked him around either, so he'll come out of that race with a lot of improvement. So that was really good to see. Tango Tara up the fence from three pegs, uh, ran fourth, and and copy that. Just I think he's just disappointed. They did say he had a, group, a grade two bleed, uh, which is just an internal bleed. Uh, he finished fifth. Only got beaten 6.7 metres, but I just don't think he's uh, he's racing anywhere near at his best. No, he doesn't seem to be. And people have, you know, there's been, there was a bit of conjecture on Saturday night on Trot's vision that <clears throat> he is a better stayer. And look, he probably is, but he did win the New Zealand free-for-all over um, 1609. So the, the very best of copy that is a better horse than this. Having said that, I just think at the moment, you know, we're so used to back in the day, the best Kiwi being the best Australasian, aren't we? And that's not, that that's just not the way things are at the moment. There is, there is way more opportunity for, under the right circumstances and the right draw tonight, for a Torrid Saint or a, 
who knows, one of those Peloton runners that we spoke about that might people might consider fortunate to get a run. Torrid Sane gets a run, obviously. But there might be one or two even that people will think, well, you were fortunate to get a run. With the right draw, they can nearly win the Victoria Cup on Saturday night. That's what it's that's what it's like this year. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh and, and look, the way our racing is going, the barrier draw is becoming more and more important because our horses are so fast that, you know, like you say about Captain Ravishing smashing the track record last week by one and a half seconds, you don't see that anymore because they are going so quick. You generally just keep taking, you know, tenths of a second off. And, you know, when you look at the times that these horses are running home in, you know, 54 54.59, 54.30, 54.64, like that's the first four horses home and there's like 0.2 of a second between them. It's it's just barrier draws just then play so much importance because, you know, you might have been quicker, but if you draw two horses worse, you've got no hope of getting past them. No, 100% the truth. And uh, one of the big issues in terms of um, the selection basis for going into this Victoria Cup is a couple of these horses, like better be the bomb, and Bulletproof Boy, even more so, has just been typically drawing so badly. And you talk about those sectionals. Where you sit in these races is often nearly where you finish. When you're getting home in 54-8, how are you going to make up the ground? And even if you do make up a little bit of ground, you know, when you're selecting these fields, you're doing it based on who who, who won, who ran the placings a lot of the time. And it, it's hardcore. It really is because some of these horses that have been getting no luck at the gates... Well, if you get no luck at the gates in a few lead-up races, well, it makes life hard to be noticed. Yeah, it certainly does. And, you know, you talk about poor Bulletproof Boy. I reckon his name's stuck to uh, to bad barriers. He's drawn, you know, his last few runs, second row four, second row six, front row seven, front row five. He ran second at Melton, and he drew front row three. But then after that, front row six, second row three. He just... He does not draw a barrier at all, the poor bugger. And, uh, yeah, I, I feel for him because that's going to cost him a, a spot in a race like the Victoria Cup because he's drawn so bad. Had he have been able to get a good barrier drawer and possibly be three fence where Tango Tara lobbed, he may have flashed home, run a place, and then he gets a, a guaranteed start. So barrier draws, they, they, they can make you or break you in a heartbeat. Okay, here's a theoretical question for you before we get stuck into uh, the news and then the final three races on the card from Saturday night at Melton. If you are in the position of being on the panel to select a major race field, and I, I know we've gone on about this already a, l- a little bit, but I'm just intrigued. So you're looking at established records, and I just spoke about the fact that you want to be, you want to have won a good race recently or in the last 12 months. You certainly want to be running placings. Is it, is it reasonable... To, to virtually do your own ratings on horses based if they have had those poor draws, looking at things like the sectionals and, you know, how they've gone if, if say, you, you know, you take the meterage that they're away from a leader or a winner in a race and if they're making up ground every time on another horse who looks to have better form because they've had better draws, can you weigh that into the situation or do you just say, Unfortunately, you've just had bad luck at the draws and you didn't get the result that you required were required to get to get a run in the major race. Um, look, I, I think you, your immediate ticks, then obviously you don't need to look at it that way. But looking at this field, as I said, going through the noms, I think there's probably eight, eight or nine ticks definitely and then the rest of them have, have got a lot of question marks and and I know it's okay to say, well, you've won a good race 12 months ago, but if you're not in the best of form, then 
don't we want the best horses racing, you know, who are racing at that point in time to make up the best race that we can make? Um, I don't believe that you should go back 12 months. I, I think, you know, you obviously want to see what they're doing here and now so you get the very best race you can put on and and if that means that they do need to go down to the minutes of seeing you know how they've drawn versus how they've actually gone then that is a possible way to get those last few over the line and i i think yeah to to, to make the, the race the best we can i think you need the best informed horses at that point in time yep i agree and uh like I'd, I'd make a case for a horse like bulletproof boy i just think he just has not been given an opportunity to show what he's what he's about, um, and I, I would I'd like to think that he's at least in that secondary conversation. All right, we're going to find out what's happening in the world again, check out the news, and when we come back, we've still got three races to go on this very special edition of Metrospective with Steve Cleave and Jay Bon and William in the chair playing quite a bit of hip-hop music today, which I'm, I'm, I'm quite enjoying. Let's go to the news, come back, three more races to go. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. Yeah, I don't know if the lucky dip with the songs worked out that well, to be honest there, Will. And I'll be, um, I'll, I'll be, we're just going to cut that off right there. That'll be, that'll be enough of that. <laughs> Um, we've been through the tab, smoking up sprint, so we've got three races to go. Race eight on the card. What a wonderful story this is. Don't care. Um, Kate Hargraves went back to the drawing board with Don't Care. A group one winner is a two-year-old, and the celebrations were anarchic on the um, on the coverage there, on the Channel 7 coverage after Don't Care. One is a two-year-old on New Year's Eve on Vic Bread Super Series night. Uh, been at the crossroads a little bit. Had to start again. Ultimately, it has worked, and we we spoke about Bondi lockdown, I think, briefly, and, and the kind of freshen up that's required maybe to get his head back on track. Well, don't care has come back very well this preparation. The first up win was excellent, but this was even this was another level better on Saturday night, wasn't it, Clevy? Yeah, it sure was, and uh, the camp must have been pretty confident because Alan just got out and drove him with a hundred percent confidence that he was the best one out there, and uh, made sure of it too. She ran the gate, just worked her way forward, uh, gunning cross very quickly uh, for Lee Sutton, and was happy to take this hit straight away. And don't care, just dominated uh, out in front and. Sort of got away a little bit of an early breather, 31-6, but 29-5, then 28 down the back to take the pace out of the main danger sitting outside of it in Loxley Lover. Home in 29-2, and, uh, yeah, it was great to see it win. And and hats off to one of the owners, uh, Darren Carroll. He's uh, our man, giving us tips on uh, Giddy Up. With Gareth, he's donating 5% of the horse's stake money to uh, the, the Harness Racing Charity Challenge. So that's a little few bob that goes into that, which is absolutely fantastic to see. But this horse, he, he just had that race in his keeping. Uh, he's won by a fairly, fairly good margin. Loxley Lover sort of came again late. The full credit to him, it was a great run. And uh, Sangreal had a nice cold sit and just flashed home for third. But uh, hats off to the winner. It, it was great to see it come back in good style. I think Sooty Hunt's doing the same thing, isn't he? Um, terrific stuff. Uh, to, uh, and, and, of course, Andy Gath, who's promised to put in $500 extra to his chosen charity into the competition if I tip every day, if I remember to tip every day. Well, I'm, I'm two days down. I'll need a reminder. Rap on the door and say, Bon, it's time. You've got to tip. And I end up... You know, it'll be the last race somewhere in some far-flung jurisdiction of the country. Anyway, 
Uh, Loxley Lover was also absolutely excellent. Um, I think he's, I think he's even better than that, which is um, which is saying something. But they get home in fifty-seven too. He parked outside the lead. There's not a lot more you can do, but. Loxley Lover was also only second up from a break. I think there's improvement in him. So we're going to have some exciting races towards the end of the year with the four-year-old trotters as well, Clevy. Yeah, it's really exciting. You, you look at the younger horses, as you say, coming through the four-year-olds this season uh, in both pacing divisions and trotting divisions. It's it's really exciting. And like you say, Loxley Lover definitely going to improve off that run, just being second up. You can't do any more than what it did. And as I said, it was still coming on the line. Uh, it never shirked the task. And they've beaten the rest of them pretty comfortably. So those two are certainly two that are going forward here. Uh, other runs from the race. So Sangriola I thought was really good again. Amazing. And I mentioned this on the Trots Vision coverage on Saturday night, Clevy. You've got a Group 1 winner winning, a Group 1 winner running third, and I think a future Group 1 winner finishing second. And this was a 70 to 85 rater. Yeah, it's wow. pretty uh, pretty scary, isn't it? Uh, it makes it very hard for those others coming through. You're either right up there or you're just uh, chasing the pack. A couple that have um, just perpetual heartbreakers. And I know, I, I, look, I, I don't want to be harsh on Paddock because I actually love the horse. Chinese Whisper, the love is starting to fade, I've got to say. The first up run was excellent, but he's um, he's a bit of a money muncher and poor old Paddock Egg made a mistake early again and, and blew his chances. I mean, these are, Paddock Egg in particular, from what he's done previously, is a horse who, if he goes into an Inter-Dominion series, uh, you know, would not be out of place in the final and running a race with a good draw, but... You just can't get anything to go right. No, correct. And uh, honestly, that's why I don't train trotters, mate. I, I tell you what, I just couldn't handle it. I've got no hair training train paces, so I don't know what I'd uh, end up losing if I was training trotters. It's it's so heartbreaking when you see horses going so good. And we've had Paddock Keg black booked for the last couple of runs because of how good he's been hitting the line. And then, you know, he comes out and gallops and you get beaten 87 metres. It's... Uh, it's definitely heartbreaking, but, you know, when you're in that grade, if you do want to be racing in the good races, then you've got to put it all together on the night and uh, hopefully he can get his manners back intact because he's, he's shown before he's got the ability racing through the best four-year-old races and uh, hopefully Lisa can sort him out. Chinese Whisper was really big last start and I just wonder, being first up, massive run the way it went after galloping out. Does that take the edge off him a little bit? So maybe don't rule it out just yet. Maybe give it one more chance. Well, I'll give it another chance. I just won't have my money while it can. I'll, it'll, chance, it'll, it'll have a chance without any cash. Uh, one more race before we go to another break. Chris Outtrotter's free-for-all. Queen Elida, this was my big, big bet of the night. Um, I think $2.80. Early doors was available. I did suggest it would start odds on. I thought it would start even shorter than $1.95. The one thing about this horse, uh, Queen Elida, is normally, you know, I particularly get very caught up, and I think understandably so, with the Atlas, with the maps, where are we going to be? Um, I can win from here. I can't win from there. This is going to be important at this juncture of the race. I, didn't, I, I couldn't have cared with Queen Elida. It just doesn't matter with her. She is just – when she cruised up to them off the back – she does it like the rest of them are trying and she's just she's just walking up to them. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny how you say about a captain ravishing, how he's, you know, full of spunk and ego and all that sort of thing and how that's attractive. And this horse is quite the opposite. I mean, I'm just in love with this mare. She's just so businesslike. 
And I, I actually tweeted out, like, hats off to, to Puppet just driving this horse 100 out of 100. Like, she's first up uh, since June, and, you know, he absolutely looked after her to the nth degree. He knew he had them covered. He just did exactly what he had to do to win. He When he moved out to the death, he just jiggy-jogged up outside of him. He never really got absolutely humming around the home corner. He was still just sitting there, just holding her together, knowing that the race was pretty much his. And then with about 100 to go, he said, all right, girl, let's go. And she just put two lengths on him in, in, in a stride. So she's going to improve heaps off that run. That was just a, a perfect first up run that's not going to knock her around one little bit. Uh, the clock breaker was Mufasa Metro. He's ran his last half in 56.11. He went 28.74 and 27.36. So keep an eye on him because that's electric. And uh, that was a terrific run from him. So he's one you definitely want to go watch going forward. But Queen Alita, well, she is our queen. Well, he's not, look, they're all four-year-olds again. It's like with the paces. Queen of Light is four. Yeah. Mufasa Metro is four. Um, Don't Care is four. Loxley Love is four. Olavici is four. Wow. Yeah. Um, they're going to inherit the earth. If they haven't already inherited it, it's um, it's coming very, very quickly. Other runners in that race, well, it was hard. I couldn't focus on them. Queen Elida and Mufasa Metro, excellent. I think son of Sunoco, uh, sorry, I should say nephew of Sunoco, just started way too short. Vacation Hill is a little bit of a headache course as well. Led seemed to get every opportunity. Queen Elida put her to bed, and the, the remainders, or the remaining runners, were all, I think, just okay. Ultimate Strides, obviously, not at his anywhere near his best at the moment. We'll go for a break, come back. We've got one more race to look at, and then we're going to give our pre-draw tips for the Derby, the Oaks. Who cares? The Bill Collins Sprint will do that as well. And also the Victoria Cup. Stick with us here on the Monday Metrospective on Trots Live. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 Right there, right there. Well, hey. I like the way you do it right there, right there, right. This is the end of uh, Trot's Live because uh, Milo and Sammy Holland, who's in the studio, they're chomping at the bit to have a chat with Lee Dalton from Palmer Bit in a moment. But final race quickly, uh, Cleavy, Doug's Babe. I was fortunate enough. I had a good bet here on Doug's Babe as well. I just kept on drifting. I didn't understand why. Great drive, Mickey Bellman. Peels it. You don't often see it at Melton, though, do you? 1,720, outside second line draw, no great tempo, peel widest and win the way she did. So she's back on track. Yeah, 100%. She, uh, you know, as you said, the, the times they ran was just suitable for the front runners to win, but she's come from last and she smashed the clock. She's ran her last half, 55-39, went 20-82 down the back, 27-17, and doing that off the track. So 100%, she's back and absolutely flying. Eric Rowley didn't have a little luck there either, and uh, Aussie Playboy breezed again. I don't know if that's his going life. Right, let's get to the final part of the show, and that is uh, working out pre-draw what we think or who we think the winners are for these major races. So we'll start with the Victoria Cup. Okay, Victoria Cup. Um, my two picks. Uh, I'm going with the four-year-olds. I think it's rock and roll do or better eclipse for me. Oh, geez, we're singing from the same hymn book. Uh, not Psalm 23. Of course, that was the that was what Coolio, you, God bless him, unfortunately, before his time, 59 last week. Yes, I'm with the four-year-olds, Better Eclipse and Rock and Roll Do. Uh, the Victoria Oaks final. Okay, the Oaks final. Do we get two each or we'll go two each for everything. What do you reckon? Uh, 
Yeah, well, I, I sort of wrote out how I tipped them. I just went in Cypher, I think, can win it. And then I've got Miss Chantilly and more Vita. Um, just open Petalante I'm gonna in say, that order. I'm, I'm sort of quite half liking the, the push against the Moray Vita now. I'm going to say in Cypher and a Moray Vita yep. at this current juncture. Uh, but but the draw is going to be massive there, Derby. Uh, I've got Captain Ravishing on top of Leap to Fame. I've got He's a Son of a Gun in for third. And then Major Perry and Rip. I mean, they're the top five performers out of the heats. But one thing about he's the son of a gun was out of all of the top five, he had the easiest run. He didn't bustle too hard early. He had the perfect set and he hit the line just with a lovely little hit out. Um, he's going to be going in the final really fresh. So he's certainly one to watch. He's a knockout for me. Um, and the thing is, just the weaponry that he has with that early gate speed, but the front line, a front line drawer is crucial for him, but where he draws in the front line, I'm not sure may matter that much because I think for pure speed, he could draw six and cross them. The the thing is, and we know this, you don't want to be working overtime over 2,760 metres in the first furlong, do you? But at the same time, he's got electric speed, so I'll be having a straight-up bet as soon as possible, Um, a small one because I know they'll put him up uh, too big a price. He's a son of a gun. Uh, So that is the derby. Then we move on. Sorry? What was your tips in the derby? My derby uh, tips, well, I'm Captain Ravishing and he's a, so Captain Ravishing on top, clearly, I think you'll find a way to win. And he's a son of a gun is my is my smoky, uh, but he does yep. need that front line draw. And then without knowing the noms, I, maybe that a quick squidge, but the other group one on the night is the Bill Collins sprint. I don't know who's going to turn up to take on Queen Elida, but if a Queen Elida turns up and it's a similar field, well, it's a fait accompli, I think. Well, basically, you've got Olavici, Queen Alita, Aldebaran Zeus, Just Believe, She's a Pleaser, Parisian Artiste, Mufasa Metro, Loxley Lover, and then Nerfius and Oko and, and crew behind that. So, I, I look, I think the top two were definitely the two big standouts there, Olavici and Queen Alita. Um, you know, but then Mufasa Metro was just eye catching the other night. So, if he happens to draw to sit on their backs, you know, if they're sitting one, two and he's leader's back, then you can't leave him out and. It's going to be an amazing night's racing when you just flick through, uh, you know, what we've got. We've got the Victoria Cup Group 1. We've got the Popular Arm Free For All Group 3, the Vic Bread Platinum Group 3, the Make Mine Cullen Group 3, the Down by the Seaside Victoria Derby Group 1, the Pride's Easy Feed Victoria Oaks Group 1, the Alabar Vic Bread Platinum Group 2, uh, Alabar Vic Bread Platinum for the Phillies Group 2, the Bill Collins Sprint Group One and the Caduceus Home Fielder Group Two, like that's just an amazing <laughs> night's racing. It's it it's the race it's the race night of the year, isn't it? It is. It's going to be something else. We're about to say sayonara. Great job, Clevy. Thanks, Bond. Really enjoyed it, mate. There's Steve Cleve, Jay Bond, Willem, and now coming in Lee uh, Dalton from Palmer Bet and the boys, Miles Fitzner and Semi Holland. Au revoir.